How is everybody? Countdown to Christmas is on. Just a note of clarity. You are allowed to celebrate Christmas before my birthday. That's fine. I just choose not to, okay? So if you're one of those people who's like, Halloween's done, and then boom, right into Christmas music, the Lord bless you. That's amazing. I just happen to hold off a little bit longer. Thanks for singing and celebrating myself. My teammate, Faye, Faye is amazing. If you haven't had the chance to meet her yet, it's such a privilege just to have somebody like this, a woman of integrity who's on our staff team and just loves Jesus and loves people a whole heck of a lot better than I do. She inspires me. It's a wonderful thing. Thanks for sharing and celebrating her today. Um, so we're in this season and in this series, this countdown towards Christmas. We're calling it Madvent because let's be honest, sometimes... We just want to blaze past the holiday season. Has everybody, anybody ever felt like that? You want to blaze past the holidays? I'm the only one? All right, so we got some untruth people here today. See, untruth, I didn't call you liars. I think sometimes we want to fast forward the holidays for a variety of reasons, especially if we're dealing with some pain of some kind. We're diving into a season where it's supposed to be happy and fun and joy-filled, but maybe we've lost a loved one. Someone that you didn't plan on losing, and now we've got to celebrate Christmas and they're not with us. Or we've lost a job, or we've lost some income, or we've lost our minds in some way, shape, or form. And sometimes, if we're honest, there's a lot more hurt associated with the holidays than we care to admit. We just press it down, make sure it doesn't seep out, and, and sometimes we don't even want to deal with it. And so not, we're not going to come at this from the perspective of we don't want, we want you to celebrate the holidays. Yes, the holidays are fun, they're joy-filled, but when they're not, what do we do then? That's where we're coming at it from that angle. I want to take you back to a memory from my lifetime. It was Christmas 2016, right before the Christmas holidays, and I happened to break my left thumb. I was playing hockey in a church league of all things, and some dude from Kentwood Alliance thought it'd be awesome to trip me, and I was bracing my fall, and instead of, you know, just landing nicely, as I hit the ice, something didn't feel right in my left hand. But being the good Canadian that I was, I got up, I finished the play, I made the pass, we scored the goal, all was well, it was wonderful. I skated to the bench, I took off my hockey glove, and my thumb just seemed a little bit out of place. And I thought to myself, you know what? It's dislocated. I'm gonna pop it back into place. I'm gonna tape it up and I'm gonna go play hockey. Cause again, I'm a good Canadian boy. And so I kept trying to put my thumb back into place. And as soon as I thought I got it back into place, it would slip back down again. I was like, hmm, isn't that weird? And I kept trying to put it back in place. And my teammates are like, dude, why don't you just pray for your thumb? God will heal it. And I was like, okay. So we prayed for it, and I pulled it back in, and then it kept sagging. So it didn't, it didn't work right away. I finished out the rest of the game working the doors because I was like, you know, I can't grip my stick too much. Anyway, longer story short, I went to the hospital the next morning, and sure enough, I had completely broken this whole bone in my thumb. I needed surgery to repair it. They put me under, they put like metal pins in there, and for like eight weeks, I wasn't allowed to move my thumb. Now, interestingly enough, two weeks after the injury, we were also supposed to move into our brand new house. And so I had to rely on a lot of help from a lot of well-meaning, good-intentioned individuals to do some lifting, because I was a one-armed bandit for a long time. I have never been in a season where it was more frustrating for me. 
I wanted to fast forward the healing so that I could get on with it and dive into what I knew I was capable of, what I knew I could do, the responsibility that I had, and all of those things. And if we are honest, even though we may not have put our hands up or online, we might have not vocalized in the chat, sometimes we do want to fast forward things so that we can get on with it. We can, we can move quickly through the pain and we get to the healing on the other side. And, and sometimes, sometimes we want to circumvent the process of what God wants to do in the moment because there is hope in the hurt. There's hope in the hurt. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 3, 4, and 5 today as kind of the foundation for the rest of our conversation. We're going to discover a little bit more about where, what does it mean to have hope in the hurt. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, we want to gift that to you as a church family. We want to give you one to see myself or Jamie or any one of our staff after our service, and we will bless you with that. Or you can download from your app store, Google Play, or the regular app store, because you know Apple, superior. Oh, wait a minute. I wasn't supposed to say that. That was my inside voice. App store, you can download version Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. It's my favorite Bible app, and you can participate online with our sermon notes right in real time. Just click on the more section right from the home screen. Then you're going to have a drop-down menu that pops up, and you want to click on events and then see Road Live. You can have everything there, including the points that we're going to be talking about when it comes to hope in the hurt. Let's draw our attention to these few verses from the book of Romans, beginning in verse 3. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. There are three simple ideas that I want to share with you about hope and the hurt. And the first is this. We want to talk about uh, hurry leads to empty, but hope leads to full. Hurry leads to empty, but hope leads to full. Now, there's a lot of hustle and bustle around the holiday season. You maybe have uh, heard of people trying to find stuff that they're looking for. I remember we've got this tradition here in our, our family where each one of our kids fills out a list, a Christmas wish list of all their things that they want. And they, they sometimes rank it in order, like really need, really badly. That might be the phrase or the title of a section. The other one is desperately need, really badly. And then the other one is I must have or I might not make it. I don't know if those are the sections that you use in your Christmas wish, wish list, but sometimes in our family, that's what we have. And then there's this responsibility that as parents, we have to fulfill these expectations. And I got to tell you, sometimes we are such in a hurry to do so that we blaze past the opportunity to learn, to grow, and, and to experience the joy around finding the perfect gift within the budget framework to celebrate our children. Sometimes we just want to get it done and get it over with. I can't help but think that sometimes that's exactly what you and I 
do in our approach to healing. I already shared with you about breaking my thumb and my desire to be restored and be made whole instantaneously in the moment. And there are times where there's been a relational breakdown that I've been a part of in my family. Maybe it was between myself and my wife, myself and my kids, and I wanted to fast forward through it. Just get on with it, get over it, right? I've even used that phrase. Oh, you're hurt? Why don't you get over it? Sometimes, sometimes we have to stop hurrying so that we understand that there's a fullness behind walking through the pain instead of around it or suppressing it. See, in our hurry, whatever happens as we're hustling and bustling around and running uh, like we're crazy and redlining and all that stuff, all we end up with at the end of the day is something that's empty. It's not something that's full, it's not something that's real, it's not something that is life-giving. We just have another thing in our world, another thing on our priority list, another person that we have to be aware of. All these different things, we, we don't end up with anything that's rich and full and meaningful when we're always in a hurry, trying to rush through it. We all heal at different rates. A friend of mine broke his thumb in a very similar fashion to me, and he healed a lot faster than I did. And I was slightly jealous. And sometimes that happens with us. There's a relational breakdown or a tension that happens, and it affects more than one person. And we find ourselves confused because we seem to be healing at a slower rate than somebody else. And so we want to microwave the process we want to make sure that we can fast forward it because we want to catch up to where our other person that we know of who's dealing with a similar situation is at the moment. And what if, what if we just stop doing that? In Romans, we're reminded that these trials of all kinds develop endurance. And endurance is so critical in our world because endurance develops a strength of character. And if we want to figure out, like, what is it that God wants from us? God is more concerned about our character than he is about our contribution. He's more interested in who we are than what we do. Now, what we do does have an impact. There is value in that. But who we are always outweighs what we do. Our character is way more important than our contribution. And we, when we dive into the Christmas season, the opposite is sometimes true. Our contribution becomes more valuable, especially, you know, when you're dealing with a list of priorities that your kids have given you, of gifts that are a necessity. What you contribute from that list is of most value as opposed to who you are. Yes, but I am your father and I love you. Yeah, but what did you get me for Christmas? You only love me that much? 25 bucks to Starbucks? You know what I'm saying? And so it's a, a, a dichotomy that we have to just call out in the moment. Sometimes our culture values speed over authenticity, authenticity or real or wholeness or fullness. I know we do sometimes. Like when we're sitting in that drive through lane, we want to get through that lane more quickly right? We want speed. But I got to tell you, when it comes to healing the hurts and dealing with the pains, the grief, the disappointments, the missed expectations that we have at times, 
hurry isn't going to help us. It's just going to lead us to empty. But hope, hope's going to lead to fullness. Do you have hope in the moment? Do you have hope in the moment? That even though you feel undone, untethered, frustrated, concerned, overwhelmed, maybe even uncared for, that hope is still active and alive. That hope can still make a difference, even in the middle of all that chaos. Hurry leads to empty, but hope, hope leads to full. There's a second idea that I want to present to you. We need to prioritize the presence, not the presence. We need to prioritize the presence, the P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, the presence, not the presence, the P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. In this holiday season, gift giving is a huge component and gift receiving is a huge component of the celebration. But what if you and I could take a, pro a posture of prioritizing the presence, the purpose, the reason behind the season, all those phrases that you've heard about Christmas previously. But what if we actually dialed into that? Think about it this way. As human beings, did you know we could survive about three minutes without air before brain cells start dying? We can survive about three days without water before our bodies start to shut down. About 30 days without food. But have you ever considered this? How, how often or how long do you think we can survive without hope? How long do you think that you and I can survive without hope? If we look at our set of circumstances, if we look at our trajectory of our lives, if we look at our, our past, our present, our future, and if we don't have hope, we're going to end up discouraged and frustrated. We're going to end up disillusioned. We're going to end up in a very dark space, overwhelmed by all of the things, all the tensions, unanswered questions, unmet expectations, confusions, you name it, that we experience in the moment. This is why we need to understand that focusing on the presence the presence of God is going to be the anchor point to carry us through all of the challenges that we might be facing. Many of you know as a family, we uh, faced a tragedy a couple of months ago, and it's not unlike some of the things that you faced. where We lost one of our loved ones to a tragic work accident. And as we come up onto the holiday season, we can, we can be focused on all the things that Clinton's going to miss out on. The opportunities, the memories, the moments, the celebrations, and, and the things that we're going to miss with not having him in our world. The only thing that's carrying us through at the moment is understanding that it's the presence of God that's going to carry us forward. And as we focus more and more on the presence and craving God's movement and activity and actual physical, physical manifestation of hope in our world, as we do that, we're understanding that there is, there's hope in the darkest of situations. There's hope in the darkest of situations. And some of us need to be reminded of that truth here today. Your, your version of, of tragedy could be different than ours. Maybe it's not the physical lost life of a loved one, but it's something else. 
And unless you and I are focused on the presence of Jesus, we might miss out on what he wants to do in us, what character he wants to strengthen, what joy, what hope, what forward momentum he wants to give to us, what healing he wants to do in us and through us in the moment. But if we're just focused on the hustle and the bustle and the activity and the presence and the have-tos and the need-tos and the want-tos, we might miss out that Jesus is even there with us in our deepest need. Maybe you and I could walk through this Christmas season with a simple question rolling through our hearts and through our minds, a question that says, Jesus, where are you now? Jesus, where are you now? As we're having a, a conversation with our coworker about some frustration that they have about paper processing or your communication breakdown that you might have between the two of you, maybe you can ask yourself, Jesus, where are you now? Because when you focus on the presence, then the circumstances become right-sized, put in their right place. You can identify what Jesus might be up to in the moment if you're focusing more on the presence than the other things associated with the holiday season. And they're good things, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not articulating that none of us should give gifts or anything like that, because all the kids will be mad at me if you go home and say, the pastor said I shouldn't buy you Christmas gifts. Like, that's the worst, right? I don't want eggs in my house. I don't want little kids just coming up to me and kicking me in the shins or anything like that. Those things are good, but when they become the priority, we miss the purpose of the whole holiday season, of identifying that Christ is with us in the middle of our chaos. Let's focus on the presence. Where are you now? Jesus, where are you now? So right here in this moment, those unanswered questions that are in your hearts and in your minds, I want to invite you to say that with me in your head, in your heart. Jesus, where are you now? When my relationship is broken apart, where are you now? When I don't know how I'm going to pay for rent next month, where are you now? When I'm having the best day of my life, Jesus, where are you now? When I look forward and all I see is great things and I'm filled with hope and joy and excitement, where are you now? See, if we can focus on the presence through the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, that's what it means to be filled with hope and to live a hope-filled life moving forward. There's a third idea that I want to quickly highlight. And the concept is simple. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. In verse 5, we have some of the most powerful words that I have ever read throughout Scripture. Where it says, hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. You ever felt disappointed before? Maybe you're feeling disappointed right now. Hope does not disappoint. See, when we keep in mind that if we reject the idea of rushing, of hurrying, of blazing past all things, of diving into our wounds, of inviting Jesus into those spaces, 
We find that hope fills us. We find that we're focusing on the presence. We're keeping hope alive, and then we understand that hope does not disappoint. There's so many things that you and I can put our faith and our trust in. We can put our faith and our trust in our legal system. We can put our faith and our trust in our financial system. We can put our faith and our trust in our own skills and abilities. And at some point, we will be disappointed. Those things will not meet our expectations. But hope does not disappoint. When we feel a sense of discouragement or frustration or disillusionment, it's oftentimes because our expectations need to be right-sized. They need to be made whole. See, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. You know what that means? Hope does not disappoint. Even when we're facing the craziest of challenges that we experience in the moment, hope does not disappoint. We might feel underwhelmed. We might feel abandoned. We might feel confused. We might feel frustrated. We might feel disillusioned or whatever else. But hope, hope does not disappoint. It's like a satisfaction guaranteed. But the satisfaction is built on something called confidence, not relevance. See, sometimes we have this unrealistic expectation that when we're following Jesus, we're diving into a holiday season, that everybody's gonna, everything's going to be daisies and roses and butterflies and rainbows. And so then when we bump up against hurt or frustration or unmet expectations, we really get angry and mad, and that's okay. We can hash that out with the Lord. We can cry out to him and say, hey, what's up with that? He's big enough to handle all the confusion, all the chaos, all the overwhelmedness that we have in our world. He can handle all of that. But at the end of those conversations, at the end of those times, we need to stand firm confidently on what we know to be true. That hope does not disappoint. It doesn't. That's something that we can take to the bank. That's something we can stand firm on, even though we don't yet know what it means. Even though the hurt that we may be experiencing is more devastating than we've ever thought we'd face in our lives before. The pain's too big, the confusion's too large, the questions are too unanswered and continue to seemingly be so, but hope does not disappoint. It seems like a really simple, basic concept, but it's extremely powerful to know that in every space, in every moment, in every hour, hope does not disappoint. We can be confident. Because if hope disappointed, then Jesus isn't who he says he is. And then we're all in trouble. 
If Jesus isn't the person that he said he is, if Jesus wasn't a man of integrity, following through on everything that he said that he would do except one thing, which is returning back to the world for a second time to take us all up to those of us who have a relationship with, with Jesus into a, a, a life after this human experience into heaven, all that stuff. That's the only thing he hasn't done yet. That means a hope doesn't disappoint. And we can rest in that. We can breathe that in so we can breathe out love. If you and I could get really, really good at navigating through the healing journey that, ha that hurt and hatred and confusion provides to us, we can be living, breathing ambassadors of hope wherever we go. We can keep hope alive. See, our world needs to know that Jesus makes a difference. Not just intellectually, but practically. And if there's a group of people of all different ages and stages in their lives that would embrace that mission and that reality, then the world would know that hope does not disappoint. The world would know that because of what they see in us and through us. And sometimes you and I are invited in into challenging, hurt-filled situations so that the people around us can see what it looks like to navigate pain and still follow Jesus. That's a tough calling, but it's an invitation. Paul says it like this later on in scriptures, take up your cross and follow daily. So as we dive into this holiday season, you're like, man, come on, Jay. This is supposed to be like an uplifting, fun reality. It is. Because there's hope in the hurt. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to pretend it doesn't exist. You don't have to circumvent the healing process. You don't have to keep up appearances. You can stand firm in the truth that hope does not disappoint. Here today... I want to send you with something. I believe it's something that Jesus wants to give and provide to you on an individual basis. And so as we go to a time of prayer, as we close our time here together today, I want to invite you to do something alongside of me. I want to invite you to open up a single hand or both hands and just place one of those in your lap. Even here at home, whether you're on your you know, exercise bike, just take, take a, a break for 90 seconds, participate with us. One or two hands, just open it up into your lap. A lot of times what we do is we, we bring to Jesus whatever's in our heart, in our mind, our concerns, our questions, our challenges, and those are great things. We need to keep doing that, bringing those to Jesus. But sometimes we forget that he also allows us to walk away with something after those moments and those interactions with them. Sometimes it's as simple or elaborate as, as experiencing a fullness of his presence. Something, sometimes it is an answer to a question that we've had for a while. So what I'm going to do over these next few moments is I'm just going to pray with you and for you. And I'm going to ask that Jesus would provide us whatever we need to take with us into the rest of this week. Really simple, practice and presence, and just ask Jesus to come alive 
and show us what it means to be hope in the hurt. Sound good? Would you join me in prayer? Father, here today, we recognize that you are a good, wonderful, loving, caring Father. And there are times that I admit, Lord, that it's hard for me to understand that in the middle of my pain, my confusion, my uncertainty, my frustration, all of those things. And Lord, I can't help but think that sometimes I'm not the only one that is uh, in a space like that. I know I'm, I'm kind of an oddball, and that's cool. I'm, I'm okay with the way that you made me. But I know that others can sometimes similarly identify with those tensions and those challenges. So here today, Father, I'm, I'm aware that there are unanswered things in this room and online, whether it's concerns about a medical history or a pending result of some kind, whether it is questions about why a marriage broke down or a family dynamic has shifted, whether it's questions about vocation, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life, what am I supposed to study, whether it's questions about who am I supposed to marry, Will I ever find love? Where there's questions about finances, like where am I going to get my next meal? What am I going to do now that I've lost my job? How am I going to parent? How am I going to be a grandparent? All those different things. Jesus, there's a whole bunch of that stuff. And that stuff can be really overwhelming. The chaos can be drowning at times. It can be life-sucking. It can take the joy out of holiday season. It can create more tension than it's supposed to. And so, Father, here today, I ask that you would place in our hands what you want us to take forward into this week and beyond as we count down towards a celebration of your life. Maybe it's an answer to a prayer that we've been praying for years. Maybe it's the realization that you are a God that loves and cares and today, in this moment, we're going to surrender our lives to you. Maybe it's your physical presence that you want to put in our hands. Maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe it's a perspective. I don't know, but you do. So, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray for all of the children, the men, the women gathered in this space, for those tuning in online who are crying out to you, who have a craving for you to move what you put in their hand right now what you want them to take with them hope does not disappoint father we trust you in all things and in all ways would you bless us and protect us would you make your face shine upon us be gracious to us would you grant us your favor and your peace we pray this in the name of jesus